morning, church. Welcome to worship. What an incredible time of worship we've already had, just singing the truths of Scripture. As we gather today, we gather with a very clear purpose of who we are. We are Mission Hill. If you know this, say that with me. That means that we want to do whatever it takes, wherever we are, to shine with the light and the love of Jesus like a city on a hill. So we come together. Yeah, praise God for that. We come together in a season like this to be uh, supercharged and empowered by His presence uh, so that we might do that effectively in our little corner of the world. And as we gather here on our central campus, we have two other campuses that are worshiping, our, our Six Mile campus where they're celebrating Believer's Baptism, our, our Lake Carroll campus is worshiping today, and thanks to this uptick in COVID, there's a lot more people probably than usual joining us online. Would you welcome those who are not in the room today? It has been... A wild week. It was a week ago today uh, that I stood with the McNeil family, and then later in the afternoon, as Pastor Gary and Miss Lynn and and their sweet daughter-in-law Mandy stood uh, over Matthew McNeil as he entered into the arms of Jesus. And I, I do want to ask you to continue to pray for this family. Uh, we love them so much. God has been faithful. They have sensed His comfort and His peace. Uh, the Bible says this, though, that blessed are those who mourn because they, they have the comfort of God. And, and so we want to pray that the God of all comfort comforts them. And it tells us that we should mourn with those who mourn. So if you're interested in this, the, the Celebration of Life Services for Matthew McNeil will be t Tuesday at, at 11 a.m. at Bridgeway Church in, in Wesley Chapel with a visitation time at 10 a.m., before that. Many have asked how you might uh, come alongside and encourage or support them, and there are some practical ways. Um, one way that they've mentioned, because of all the illness and food allergies, really better than bringing a meal would be like Publix gift cards. So that's something, if, if you're interested in being a part of that, it would be a ministry to this family. And if you want us to help you get that to them, you can just drop those off at the church office at any time. Now, in addition to to what the McNeil family is walking through. We got word yesterday that the Johnson family, Pastor Connor and, and Samantha, they welcomed their second child, Henry, into this world. And so we celebrate the gift of life, and we're reminded of the truth of Scripture that you need to understand, because we teach the whole counsel of God's Word here. Our God is the Lord who gives and the one who takes away. But through it all, we say, blessed be the name of the Lord. So uh, we're thankful that God is at work even as we walk through the, the trying journeys of life. Do me a favor, take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to 1 Corinthians, Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to begin a message series today we're calling Unwrapped. An unwrapped gift can be a source of tremendous anticipation, but it can also be a source of great frustration. As a child, I would look under the tree at Christmas at all the gifts, and, and my mom did such a good job, just as my wife does now, and the tree was just filled with wrapped presents, and I would in a very selfless way think, how many of those are mine? 
You know, a wrapped gift can bring anticipation. But as it sits there, it can lead to frustration. Our, our Christmas tree is still up. We, we try to celebrate this season well, so we'll take it down probably about, uh, I don't know, St. Patrick's Day or, or something like that. But there are no gifts up under the tree. They were all distributed. That's not always the case. In fact, last year I, I had COVID and my worst day was Christmas Day. And, and so uh, they were reminding me this Christmas that I came out, uh, <laughs> came out of my shell. I opened one present and then I just went back to bed. And so last year after Christmas, there were a lot of presents still under the tree. Um, sometimes we have family that comes in from out of town and so their presents will remain. And when you're a child, you walk by those remaining presents and it's kind of frustrating because you're thinking, well, whose is that? I mean, who, is that mine? I mean, why, don't, why aren't those presents being opened? Can, can you imagine? There was a, a big day on Oprah uh, several years ago, and everybody in the audience got a wrapped present. I don't know if you remember that. Watch this. Everybody in the audience, now listen to me carefully, is being given a special package, and I don't want you to open it. Do not open it. Cameras are on you, so do not open until I tell you. All right, open your boxes. Open your boxes. One, two, three. I so wish I could tell you to look under your seats and open that package and everybody here, you get a car and you get a car and you get, I'm not saying that today, sorry, but I've got better news. Every one of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, you get a gift, you get a spiritual gift and that gift allows you to go through life in a way that brings greater fulfillment. It allows you to go through your life edifying the church of Jesus. It allows you to go through life pointing to Jesus and giving him glory. It is a huge deal. Now imagine, imagine you were in that audience on that crazy day on Oprah and everybody was opening that little box and it hits you. Man, they got a car, but you just decided to sit there and not open your box. How silly would that be? Well, the, the truth is, I, I've just told you that every one of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we've been gifted. You, you've been giving gifts that make your life better. But some of you are leaving them unwrapped. Or, or some of you are leaving them wrapped. You're not unwrapping the gifts that God has given to you. God's given you a spiritual gift, and the Bible teaches that those gifts that you have are the key to fulfillment as part of the body of Christ, the church. So I have to ask you, is your gift unwrapped? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is addressing a church in turmoil. Now often you'll hear preachers like me say, we need to go back to the days of the early church. But the truth is, when you read the Bible, the early church was pretty screwed up. I mean, the church at Corinth, Paul was addressing division in the church. Let's just see if you're tracking with me. Raise your hand if you've ever been in a church where there was division. 
Okay, it really probably should be all of us if you've been in church because we are so sinful and we're imperfect and we all let each other down. So that's, that's kind of a part of it. So that, that part's relevant. He was addressing a church where there was immorality. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand for this, but the reality is we see that in the church today. We've seen that publicly among leaders, but we've been in Bible study groups or we've sat on the same row with families that are torn apart because of immorality. So it's interesting, in 1 Corinthians, Paul gives us some of the best theological teaching on marriage and on, on sec sexual ethics. And so he's addressing that. But then he's also addressing problems in attitude. And, and all of us know people, and we've run into, hopefully not this morning, but we've run into people in the church where they just have rotten attitudes. And, and part of those rotten attitudes often affect the way they serve in the church. And, and so that's what Paul is dealing with in 1 Corinthians 12. And I tell you that because I want you to know that this is relevant. This speaks to our life. So here's what we need to do. We, we, we often do this in our church, but would you just hold your hands out like this, maybe with your palms up, and let's just ask God to speak and to teach. Ask the Holy Spirit to move Free us from distractions so that we might walk away different. Let's pray. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we have gathered and, and we have sung praise to your name, Jesus. We have bowed in prayer and we have declared that we need you, Jesus. And so here we are once more preparing to read from your perfect word and our simple prayer is, would you speak to us? God, there are things that we need that, that we don't yet have. Would you give them to us? There's knowledge we desire that we've not yet learned. Would you teach us, Lord? God, as we look in the mirror, as we look in the mirror, we recognize it. We've not yet become all that we need to be to be conformed into the image of you, Jesus. So change us, shape us, mold us, make us more like you. And Lord, as I have prayed privately, I recognize they do not need a speech in this room. Those that are listening to this message do not need a sermon. But we desperately need to hear from you. So, Lord, let the words I say and even my thoughts be pleasing to you. For you are my strength. You are my redeemer. And I ask this in your name. Amen. So grab a pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, Crayola, your two thumbs, whatever you're keeping notes with. Grab something to write on. I think this will be a very practical message from the Word of God and I think he will answer our prayer. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Now, concerning your spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. The New King James Version and the New International Versions both say, I do not want you to be ignorant. <laughs> I kind of like that better because it, it kind of hits me in the face a little better. I, I don't want to be ignorant. Or the New Living Translation that I read devotionally every day says, I want you to understand. Well, what is it that we need to understand? What do we need to avoid ignorance about? Well, he's, he's talking about something that 
we call spiritual gifts. But in this passage, it's literally a word that could be translated the spirituals. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be uninformed. I, I want you to learn about the spirituals. So I ask you if if your gifts are unwrapped, and now let me just, we're digging deeper. Let me ask you if you're ignorant about the spirituals. It's, it's a word that's used here in the Greek. It's pneumaticon, and it, it, it literally is those spiritual things of life. I've been around church people all my life, and you know what I've seen? We're not ignorant about the intellectuals. I mean, most of us have a lot of knowledge, and we're glad to tell you what we think. We're glad to tell you what we think about theology. We're glad to tell you what we think about how we should do church. We call that ecclesiology. So we're opinionated, and we're educated, and usually both of those are beyond our obedience. We're not ignorant on the intellectuals. And in recent church history, I've noticed we're not, we're not ignorant on the experientials. I mean, we'll spend the money to get the fog just right, to get the lights pointing in the right direction, to get the, the music the right volume. Well, we're still working on that. To get the temp, well, we'll never get the temperature right. But we're, we're good with the experientials, right? Because we want you to feel good when you come in. But here he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about the spirituals. Are you ignorant about the spirituals? A lot of ignorance about this. Paul, then he goes on to say, by the way, you're not ignorant about what it was like before you were spiritual. We know that because he's going to talk about their pagan life. And that's very specific in the wording he uses. He doesn't talk about them being a Greek or being a Jew. He talks about them being a pagan because that's something that everybody has in common. In fact, let's take another quick test. Raise your hand if you were a pagan. Everybody should be raising your hand because if you're not raising your hand, you're implying you are still a pagan because everybody, yeah, everybody, the Bible says, was separated from God. So that means you are pagan. Uh, and, and that sin that separates you from God is why we need what we call in church the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's what the Bible teaches. We were separated from God because of that sin, so we're kind of going on our way. We're the boss. We're number one in our life. We're the Lord. But something happens. The Spirit of God awakens us, and we recognize that's not a good path we're taking, that that's going to lead us to destruction. We learn that Jesus died for our sinful he was buried, but he rose again, so he's alive today. And the Spirit leads us to make a decision. We call it repentance, where we turn from our way and we begin to go God's way. We're no longer pagan. Now we're spiritual. But we all were pagan. And notice what he says about when we were pagan. He says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. Mute idols. Now, I like the translation here that says dumb idols. It means the same thing, but when you have the word dumb idols, it's kind of a double entendre because he's talking about those idols that can't talk, they're mute, but guess what? Any idols are dumb. So I just need to ask you another question. Are you being led astray, astray from the spiritual things of life because there are dumb idols in your life? Now, what are, what's an idol? An idol is anything, even a good thing that keeps you from the best thing. So you can be led astray from a dumb idol like your career. 
put your seatbelt on because this is going to offend, but you can be led astray by a dumb idol like your family. You can be led astray by a dumb idol like your income or your accomplishments or the approval of people or pleasure in your life. Things of this world. He goes on to say in verse 3, Therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God, ever says Jesus is a curse, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now remember, he's, he's signifying the difference between your pagan life and your spiritual life. I've had five kids. Let me just tell you something. Nobody had to teach them how to be pagan. No one had to teach my children or me how to be selfish, how to make sinful choices. In the pagan way, we do that on our own. But something happens when we have that transformation. When we declare that Jesus is Lord, our life is changed. We're no longer following and being led by dumb things of this world. We're following Jesus himself. And as a result of that, we kind of live in two worlds. The great early church father, Augustine, he, he called this, the city of God and the city of man. And so if you're a follower of Christ, the reality is you are a citizen of two different cities. We're in this world, though we're not of this world, and we know we belong to the kingdom of heaven. We're citizens of two cities, but our allegiance and our loyalty can only be in one. That's why Jesus would say, you can't serve God and man. Right? You tracking with me? So Paul is saying to the church, so it'd be just like this Paul saying to the body that's gathered here today, hey, some of you are living your life, you're ignorant when it comes to the spiritual things. He's not questioning their salvation. He's questioning whether or not they've been sanctified in their faith and they're serving God effectively in the church. And there's some of you, you've understood the gospel. You've began a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're truly saved. But in your mind, you checked that box and you stopped. You felt like I got a ticket out of hell. I got my ticket to heaven and that's all I needed. And so you wonder why your faith doesn't seem to be having any impact in your daily life. But it's because you did not engage that Holy Spirit to continue to sanctify you and then allow you to begin to serve in the body of Christ. You're living with divided loyalty. It's in that context that we come to verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, and now when we have the word gift translated, it is a different word. It's the word charismata, which is, comes from that Greek word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, a beautiful word, which simply means grace. So he says, there are varieties of grace gifts, but then notice what it says, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and the varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers all of them. Did you catch that? We're all different. Hey, turn to the person next to you and say, you know, you're kind of different. Do that right now. Would you do that? Yeah, we are. We're all different. Some of you are way different. <laughs> We're different. But we've got something in common as followers of Christ. 
we have these deposits that have been placed in us. And get this, by the Father, by the Son, by the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that in those two verses? By the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit. By the same Lord, that's Jesus Christ. By the same God, that's our Heavenly Father. So Paul is trying to teach us that the, the pathway to unity in the midst of diversity is modeled by what we see when we see our triune God. If God can demonstrate unity one in three persons, then we as a church, we as a broader body, though we come from different families of origin, we, we may come from different nations, different economic statuses, maybe even different ethnicities, we can have unity in the body of Christ. And this passage is going to tell us how. Isn't that exciting? Man, as a pastor, that's really exciting because I'm thinking, man, if I can get you guys to understand that, my life will be a lot better. Because I, I deal with division. Can I just let you in on some of the division that I deal with? You know, sometimes people say, yeah, we're going to go somewhere else because it's not deep enough there. And then the same week, somebody might say, we're going to visit another church because it's too deep there. Or somebody might say, hey, we know you walked through that season of the election and, and you were too political. And then the same week, somebody else might say, I know we're going through an election, but you're not political enough. You need to stand up. And, and then COVID hit and people said, I, I can't come because nobody's wearing a mask. And in the same week, somebody might say, I'm not coming there because everybody looks dumb. They're wearing masks. We need to figure out how we can be unified even though we're different. Because the differences aren't going away. But we can be unified. Look at how it continues. To each. Say each. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit an utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. I want to unpack this just with three thoughts make it really practical. Because my goal is this. If, if I can help you unwrap your gifts, you'll discover the potential you have in Christ. Your life will be better. You'll be more fulfilled. The church will be better because you'll be doing your part. <laughs> and Jesus will be magnified just as we desire. So here's the first thing. Here's what you need to know. Ignorance is not bliss in the Christian life. It's not. It's not okay just to say, well, I, I'm, I'm on the bus and that's all I care about. We'll let somebody else take care of that. Somebody else can teach the classes. Somebody else can sing on the stage. Somebody else can move the chairs. Somebody else can dig a little deeper in the Word. 
No, what he's saying here is God doesn't want you to be ignorant. God wants you to know who you are. God wants you to know why you're here. He wants you to know what he intends for you to accomplish. And he even wants you to understand how you can accomplish it. That's your purpose. That's your promise. That's your potential. (laughs) My mama taught me a song. I think it was from Gloria Gaither when I was a child. And we would sing it together. And she would look at me. And, man, it was such an encouragement. She'd say, I am a promise. I am a possibility. I am a promise with a capital P. I am a great big bundle of potentiality. (laughs) Did you know that's true of you if you're a follower of Christ? That's what this is about. Every one of us have this promise. We have this potential. We have this opportunity to make a difference for the glory of God. And yet, like the Corinthian church, a lot of us are living in ignorance. Our gifts that God's given to each one of us are being left unwrapped. So according to Scripture, what Paul was saying here is that we fight this ignorance and begin to experience our potential when we understand two things. And the first thing is this. It's our confession. Our confession tells who we are. And what is the, que- what is the confession? He lays it out clearly. Do you see it? Jesus is Lord. Amen. Say that with me. Say, Jesus is Lord. That's the confession. That's why it says in Romans, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's that step of becoming a follower of Christ. You know, for some of you, what that means is you don't have this gift yet because you've not truly confess that Jesus is Lord. Remember the illustration I gave? You were going your way. Some of you, you're still going. You're just walking. You're moonwalking your way. I mean, you got it down your way. You sing your song. I did it my way. And that means you've never made the confession. If that's the case, then you're missing out on the very thing for which God created you. And today, what you need to do is you need to begin a relationship with Christ. You need that time in your life where you understand that you're a sinner, that you're going your own way separated from him, but that Jesus loves you and he died on the cross for your sin and that because he died, he rose again. And when he rose again, he showed you that he had the power to overcome anything you face in life. And when you understand that, you want to say, Jesus is Lord. That's your confession. But the second thing he says you've got to understand is your charismata, your gifting. So what this passage is saying is you will never be fulfilled. You'll never make the difference God intends you to make in the church. And you won't glorify Christ in your life if you don't understand how he gifted you. That charismata. And the implication is that when our charismata, our gifting, impacts our conduct, our confession becomes more credible. Now think about that. That a nice turn of a phrase, but I want you to understand it. When my gifting, the way God created me, is beginning to be lived out in my life, what's going to happen? Oh, Ray Rod down here, he's going to be able to see it. And he's going to say, man, pastor, God, God's speaking to me through you. But that's not just for preachers. He does that in all of our lives. 
When we begin to live out using our gifts through our conduct, people see that. And then when we say we're followers of Christ, they say, you don't have to tell me that. I knew it. Your light's not hidden. It's shining brightly. Forgive me, but that's not the case in a lot of our lives. You, you've bought into this idea that your faith relationship is, is something that nobody else needs to know about. And I just need you to understand that's not biblical. And you're, you're not being the salt. You're not being the light. You're not being the impact. And you're not making any difference in the church. Because you haven't unwrapped your gift. So what is a spiritual gift? Let me give you a simple definition. Spiritual gifts are divine, God-given abilities that enable a follower of Christ to serve and to minister for the glory of God. Let me read it and explain it and then talk about it in a minute. Spiritual gifts, divine or God-given. You know what that means? You didn't do anything to earn it. And this blows some of what you've been taught in some churches out of the water. Because they've taught you, boy, if you could just get to a certain level, then you would have the spiritual gifts you need. It's like climbing a ladder. When you get up higher on the ladder, God's going to give you more gifts. That's kind of nice to think about, but it's not scriptural. They're given to us by God for a very clear purpose. They enable us to, to serve and to minister in His church for a very good reason, so that He might be glorified. When do we receive these gifts? Well, we get them in our spiritual birth. That's part of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Look at John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Say forever. forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. So at our spiritual birth, the first thing we receive is the gift, G-I-F-T, of the Holy Spirit. Think about what Jesus was saying. He's talking to his disciples. I've been hanging out here with you. I know you like it. But I've been telling you, you're still not ready. You don't understand. I've been telling you, I'm leaving. But I'm sending you another. So Jesus was saying... When you receive the Spirit of God, it's just as if you were walking face to face with me. Do you understand? Complende. <laughs> when you receive the Spirit of God, you're no different than the disciples who walked face to face with Jesus. And what we believe the Bible teaches is that you receive the Spirit of God when you begin that relationship with Jesus because you decided you were going your way, you repented, you believed what Jesus did on the cross, His burial, His resurrection for your life, and you began to follow Him. And the verse we just read says, when you receive Him, He's with you forever. In fact, in, in Ephesians it says that He seals you. He puts his seal on you, and nothing can take that off. 
But at our spiritual birth, we also receive spiritual gifts, G-I-F-T-S. And that's the focus of this passage. So it's not something that we've received just because we've climbed that louder. A spiritual gift's not a spiritual trophy. If it were a spiritual trophy, that would minimize the grace of what God's done in our life. It would undermine the spiritual truth that we're all trophies of grace. No, we receive it at our birth just because of the generosity of God, our spiritual birth. So think about what the Holy Spirit does to us. It's the Holy Spirit who draws us to Him for salvation. It's the Holy Spirit that conforms us into the image of Christ for sanctification. And it's the Holy Spirit in us that empowers us to serve the church for edification. So, ignorance is not bliss, folks, when it comes to the Christian life. But there's a second thing, real quickly. Every Christ follower receives a spiritual gift. So it really is better than that Oprah show <laughs> because it's not even just those in the studio. I mean, it's everybody that gets a relationship with Jesus Christ. You get a gift and you get a gift and you get a gift. I mean, isn't that awesome? Isn't that something to celebrate as the body of Christ? I, we've all felt left out. Sometimes you've been in a setting where somebody got a promotion and you didn't, or someone got a raise and you didn't, or someone got recognized and you didn't, or someone got a, a special bonus and you didn't. We've all had those times where we felt left out. Not today. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you've gotten a gift. L -l Look at verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Our First Peter 4.10 as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. We're all gifted, but we've already established we're all different. And so guess what? God knows that. And so He gave us different gifts. In fact, if you look throughout the New Testament, you'll, you'll find several different lists of gifts. And usually they're, they're written to a particular church. And I think that's because God knows that every church needs different sets of gifts. Any of my friends that visit here, they always say, man, Paul, I, I don't know another church like Mission Hill. You know, where 65 plus nations are gathered every time we come to worship. Guess what? The makeup of our church, it requires a different gifting of our members. There's so much that could be said about these different gift, gift lists and the letters. We're going to talk about this for several weeks, but let me just mention a few things. In 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 4, it says, The varieties of gifts, the varieties of service, the varieties of activities. And then look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 4. It says, For as in one body we have many members, the members do not all have the same function. We are many in one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So let us use them. As you look at the gift list, like I mentioned, there, there's so many ways to approach this. And I have to be straightforward. There's no place in Scripture where it says, this is exactly how I want you to quantify these gifts. 
So as you begin to study this, there are some people that go all the way back and look through the Old Testament and, and find anything that looks like a spiritual gift and include that. Others kind of will come up with 80 or so different gifts that are listed in the New Testament. One of the common ways I like that just helps my mind kind of put this logically is a, a, a three-category list of the gifts. For example, there's a group of ministry gifts. And this is described in Ephesians chapter 4. Listen to what it says. And he gave, who is he? <laughs> it's a new year, it's a new you. Anytime I ask a question and you don't think you know the answer, give it a good hearty guess. Who is he? Jesus. Yeah, so God gave us the gifts. So he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body. So what does that sound like? It sounds like there are some gifts that God may utilize to build his church on this side of heaven. Maybe a pastoral gift or a gift of teaching, expositing the word, or a, a, a gift of evangelism. Now, we're going to deal with these uh, really in the coming weeks in specific ways, but let me just illustrate this. Y'all know Pastor Zach. Man, if you've had a conversation with Pastor Zach, it doesn't take long to figure out he's, he's probably an evangelist. In fact, if you bump into him on the highway, there's a 95% chance you're going to get saved, even if you run into his car. And, and that's all this is pointing out. They're different. I mean, you listen to a gifted teacher, you're going to think, wow, they, they have that gift of teaching in the body of, of Christ. So ministry gifts. And, and then there's another category, and boy, this one is fun. I would call it the manifestation gifts. Because they're the things that are, are manifest. I mean, we see them, and boy, they get our attention. It's kind of like the billboard. So um, gifts like the gifts of miracles, of healing, of tongues, of the interpretation of tongues. You could hear a pin drop in here. It gets quiet. Boy, this is going to be good. I can't wait to hear what he says back here. And so that's what it does in our world. And that's why I like this term manifestation, because when you see those gifts, I mean, everybody kind of comes to attention. Well, what does the Bible say about this? Well, did you know there are some people, matter of fact, a lot of folks, kind of from my tradition of, of faith practice, that are what we would call cessationist. Cessationist. That means a cessationist is one who believes that things have ceased. So there's a big group in Christianity that would look at these kind of gifts and say, there's not a need for them today, and they have ceased. Now, where do they get that from? Well, they get that from a verse in the Bible in what we call the love chapter. Because I'm going to help you understand this over the coming weeks, but the love chapter was written, 1 Corinthians 13, in a discussion of spiritual gifts. Because the whole point was, I don't care what gift you have, if it's not based on love, you're just puffing yourself up. And so at the end of that, here's what it says. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. 
And so what a lot of Christians do, they look at that and they say, you know, when the full canon of the Bible was established, when the New Testament was complete and we knew we had the perfect Word of God, and that's what we believe in our church. We believe the Bible is the perfect Word of God. When you read the Bible, you're hearing God speak. So some people believe that when that was complete, the perfect had come, and, and so there was no need for these other gifts. I, I don't believe that. Even though a lot of people I love and respect do believe that. Um, because I believe it's a bad interpretation of this passage. Because when you look at what Paul says throughout his writings, when he talks about the perfect coming, it's pretty clear he's talking about the return of Jesus. And, and he's saying when Jesus comes back, you're, you're not going to need these things to point people to Jesus because they're going to see him face to face. Now there's way more I will say about these gifts. So you don't want to miss a week because you don't know when I'm going to talk about it. And it'll be interesting to you because the Bible gives some very specific guidelines for how and when these gifts should exist. And that's going to be relevant because we've even had discussion about that in our church. So that's the manifestation gifts. But the third category, these are the motivational gifts. If you read Romans 12, you see a list of, of what I believe are motivational gifts. I can't wait for next week because I'm really going to lay this out. I believe every one of us have at least one of these motivational gifts. I like to think about it this way. It, they are what makes us tick. They're what motivates us in our spiritual journey. And I think I'm going to be able to go through that list next week and point those out. And you're going to say, yeah, that's, that's me. When, when I'm fulfilled, when I'm making a difference, that's where it's coming from. Because if you don't discover what makes you tick, everybody else around you is going to see what makes you ticked. Because remember, an unwrapped gift is anticipation or frustration. And we want you to unwrap your gift, a wrapped gift. I've been saying it wrong all day. No need to change that now. Well, before I end this, let me just say something. Our spiritual gifts are different from our human talents or from our spiritual fruit. I believe all of us have different talents. Some of you are talented craftsmen. You're woodworkers. I'm not. Would you please make me some furniture? <laughs> <laughs> uh, some of there are people who are very gifted musicians many of the most gifted musicians in history are not Christ followers it's not a spiritual gift some of the greatest artists or architects designers scientists education and talent that's not the same but it's also different from our spiritual fruit you know what our spiritual fruit is that's these character traits that cause us to resemble Christ on a daily basis it's described in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit, it's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And the Bible says we, we all can and should develop all of those. But you're not going to have all the spiritual gifts. You know why? Because we're all different. And we need each other. We're better together. That's the last thing I want you to know. We're better together. Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians and he talks about us as the body of Christ. Now again, 
I want to give some of you a light bulb moment. You know what a light bulb moment is? It's like when the light comes on and you see something for the first time. When Jesus was walking with his disciples, who was walking with the disciples? Jesus, yeah. God, right? Jesus was God incarnate. What does incarnate mean? God in the flesh. So when the disciples were walking with Jesus, they were in the presence of, get, listen to this, the body of Christ. But Jesus died, Jesus was buried, Jesus rose again, Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples and his followers, and then he gave them the Great Commission, and then he ascended into heaven, and the disciples were sitting there, that's where their ignorance continued, they were just going, what happened, Vern, I don't know, where'd he go? And so the body of Christ was gone. But all throughout the New Testament, it talks about the body of Christ. Who's it talking about? Light bulb moment. It's talking about us. So, so Paul goes on to say, hey, everybody gets a gift. You get a gift, you get a gift, you get a gift, you get a gift. And, and we're all different, and people get different gifts. And then he says this, if you read the rest of the chapter. Think of it like the body. Every part of the body is different, but every part of the body is valuable. And if you allow me just to take a little liberty and paraphrase, this is basically what he said. He said, can you imagine the elbow saying, uh, I want a pay raise. I'd like to be an eyeball. Or can you imagine um, the ear saying, I am sick and tired of hearing everything, but I notice the ring gets, a, the, the finger gets to wear a lot of jewelry. Could I be a finger for a season? Or, or can you imagine saying that the, the, the small intestine said, uh, you know, I notice that the hair is kind of at the top of our world. And, and it's nice and flowing and on the outside. Can I switch and be the hair? And then he goes on to say, how silly would that be? Because in reality, we need good digestion more than we need full-bodied hair, right? Every part of the body was created for a purpose, on purpose. And you are the body of Christ. So there's something I inherited from my dad. And my kids see it and it drives me crazy. I'll be walking through the house and there's plenty of room, no furniture around. But for some crazy reason, my toe will find its way to the most painful piece of furniture in the house, and I will stump my toe. All right? You know, until something goes wrong, the big toe doesn't seem like a very valuable part of the body. <laughs> if you had your big toe amputated, by the way, it would affect your balance. I mean, it might be ugly to look at, but it has some, has some important qualities. But when I stump my toe, here's what happens. Immediately, in a millisecond, the nerve in that toe sends a signal to my brain and my brain says that fool has done it again <laughs> this is painful and then in another millisecond uh, that nerve sends a signal to my tongue and my tongue in my mouth says ow 
ouch, that hurts. And you saw what then happens because in another millisecond, the, the nerve sends a signal to my hand and my hand reaches out and begins to rub my toe. Why? Because my body is working together. Because it's better together. And you are the body of Christ. So let me sum this up. In God's family, there's a gift for everyone. But your gift has to be unwrapped. And when you unwrap your gift, your life is more enjoyable. Because you're serving and you're ministering in the way you were created to do. You're not a square peg in a round hole. You're, you're living out what you were made to do. And when you unwrap your gift, the church is always edified. And it begins to grow and it begins to flourish because we're better together. And when you unwrap your gift, Jesus is always exalted. So what are you waiting on? Some of you need to unwrap your gift. We're going to talk about that for several weeks and make it very clear, I think, right where you are. Before I pray with you today, though, here's the reality. I've said this a bunch, so it shouldn't catch you by surprise. There's somebody that's hearing these words. You haven't unwrapped the greatest gift you've ever received. See, you've heard today the good news of Jesus Christ. I believe the Holy Spirit of God is drawing you to salvation. And on the cross, when Jesus died for the forgiveness of your sins, that's already done. Your gift's already wrapped. Jesus is standing here with arms outstretched. But you've got to receive the gift. And you've got to open your heart to Him. I want to give you a chance to do that right now. Would you pray with me? If you're a, a follower of Jesus and you know that without any doubt, I want to encourage you just to think through what we've been talking about. Are you using your gifts? Do you know your gifts? Are, are you fulfilled in your faith? Are, are you making a difference in the body of Christ, the church? And what does God want you to do about that? But if you're here and you're, you've never begun that relationship with Christ, or you're uncertain about whether or not you've begun that relationship with Christ, why would you not make that certain today? And while there's no magic prayer, there are simple truths that you can pray anywhere, anytime. And, and so maybe today you would just cry out to God using these words. Maybe you would just say, Jesus... I'm tired of going my way. I know I am not the Lord. So today I repent. I turn to you. And I confess.
Here's my confession. Jesus, you are my Lord. I receive your forgiveness, the gift of your grace, and I commit to following you for the rest of my life. I tell him thank you. Say thank you, Jesus. God, uh, I look in the mirror of your word at my life and I realize there's so many ways I fall short. God, my personality gets in the way and my talents are sometimes underutilized or I depend on them too much. And Lord, sometimes I don't rest in the gifting that you've given me. So I thank you for your grace. Lord, I I pray for brothers and sisters of mine in the family of God, the body of Christ. Lord, I pray that all of what we have sung today would begin to become a reality in this church. That you, the God of revival, would awaken us. That you, Christ, would be magnified in us. That as we discover who we are and what we were meant to be, your church would flourish. Lord, it would be edified in Jesus that you would be magnified. Oh, Christ, be magnified in me. Be magnified in your church. And Lord, we pray this in your name. And we pray this for your glory, Jesus. Amen.